but I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. Welcome back, boys and girls, to the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. This is the 9 by 9 Today is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. It's episode 96. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto, north of the border. Everett, we're coming up on two milestones. We're coming up on episode, episode 100 pretty soon. And yes and no. And and the two year anniversary of the show, like yeah, the the, the episode number isn't isn't super authentic because we've done a bunch no. of like like the like world championship and VNL and a bunch of episodes that haven't counted towards the number. But it was November of twenty twenty one that we began this very program. So we'll have to, it, we'll, it, it was we'll roll those two things into one little celebration here in a couple of weeks. But uh, it's a it's been it's been a great run that we've been on, and we're not stopping here. This is the eighty one square meters of the best volleyball no. coverage on the internet. Hell no, and we ain't no stopping. No don't way. Don't, don't even bring that up. No way. Don't, don't even. We we're doing the best numbers of all time. We got a great community going. You guys are live in the chat. This is we're 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 going to the moon with this. That's right. Sorry, that system. We're not. We don't mean to steal your slogan there. But it's just. <laughs> it's just. Rob's wearing the shirt. It just. It just came. It's. It's, it's what came down my head. Let's do it. So uh, as you've seen the episode title, we've got some hard hitting questions to ask. Like things like, is Monza a wagon and is Poro the goat? And we will get to those questions because uh, there's a lot to talk about. But first, and are Lube are Lube frauds? Well, we'll get to, our, we'll, our we'll get to all those thought. questions. But first, we have some national team coaching news. As, oh. as it was very early on, very early after Davide Mazzanti was uh, finally ushered out the door of the Italian women's national team, the first name that was rumored to take his place as the head coach of the Italian women's national team was Julio Velasco. And it, it was... And what Coach Velasco, yeah, Coach Velasco is like, hell no, they haven't talked to me. I have nothing to do <laughs> with this. I don't know what any of you are talking about. And sure enough, um, here we are, as announced by FIPAV, that Julio, that Julio Velasco, excuse me, is the new head coach of the Italian women's national team starting January 1st of 2024. However, many of you may also be aware that he is currently the head coach of the Bustora Sizio women's club team in the Lega Volley Femminile. And for some reason in the last uh, several years, or kind of always, the Italian Federation has had this rule in place where you're not allowed to do both. You cannot coach a domestic club team and also coach the national team. So uh, there are some, there's been some discussions being had amongst the various governing bodies and, and important decision-making groups in Italian volleyball about what Julio Velasco is going to be able to do. But what we know for mm -hmm. sure is that he will coach the Italian women starting January 1st of 2024. Yeah. So far, so far, the Lega Volley Feminili has voted in favor of having him do, do both. Right. Um, so right now we're just waiting on the Italian Federation. I mean, Velasco, it was obvious that he was going to be a candidate at the beginning, obviously, for, from all of the stuff, but it makes perfect sense. He's been an Italian citizen since 92, even though he's he's Argentinian. He's worked with the men's national team. He's worked with the women's national team. He revitalized or built the Iranian program. Hell, went back to Argentina, helped them win a Pan Am Games here in Toronto back in 2016. Beat my Canadians in the semifinal. Made me sad. But <laughs> Velasco is the perfect 
I, I think he's so good at managing players and managing emotions and managing dynamics. And that's what you need right now with this, this Italian team. Like there's so much turmoil after the Mazzanti days because he's such a stooge and he's such just like he's just such an ogre by the way he went about it with like it, it was so uncouth with with how he he treated Agonu and 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 everything like that. So you need someone who is is widely respected and he is widely respected not only around the volleyball world but within Italy as well as as being one of the best, right? So he's going to come in and I hope really going to settle some things down because everyone knows like this Italian team has gold medal potential. Right. At Paris 2024. Yes, they do. This this is an Italian team that could win a gold medal, which which would be massive, right? Um, but they need someone at the helm, and I think Julio Falasco is the guy, and it just thinks, makes things way way crazier for me heading into 2024 on the women's side. That just like I was very like after this season, a lot of question marks on Italy, but bringing Velasco in, mm, they're right back in there for me. Just yeah, not this- right in. This answers a lot of the questions, and I agree. I think it's the perfect hire. I don't know why he was so so resistant to the to the idea, at least uh, in the media when it, when the discussions were first circling. But this is a great hire, and now I'm curious to see what the federation and the league and all the and all the and and Bruce Orsizio, the club and what all those entities do about this because they've got to get on the same page. Uh, will Velasco be continued to be allowed to continue coaching Busto Arsizio when the new year rolls around? I I don't understand. I, I see no reason why he shouldn't be allowed to do that. The no, the no. the league has already voted to allow him to do this, like you said. Now it is just up to the Italian Federation, and they've kind of been the ones, at least from my perspective, they've been in the ones with their with their heels dug in, not allowing this this double duty to happen for all this time i personally have never even understood the advantage of having that rule in place but Everett, you brought up something before the show that you think that that, that even if they do bend this rule it might just be a temporary solution why though yeah. what, what, what would be the point well i i think ultimately like this is a this is a rule that we've seen in place for italian volleyball for a long time and i don't think it's necessarily a rule and this is just this is just my own conjecture but i don't think it's necessarily a rule that they want to get away from i think this is something that they really want to to hold so but everyone knows a it, there's like everyone knows that mazanti needed out everyone knows that you needed to, to to have to have someone someone come in velasco was approached by this after he was under contract with busto right right so for me it, you have to allow it at least for this one year but if the italian federation wants to keep that in play i could see him just being almost like a rental situation the dude's 71 years old he doesn't want to embark into another he doesn't want to embark into another nations league he doesn't want to do a european championships he doesn't want to fly to to china and do olympic qualifiers no he wants to do like he wants to do one tournament so my my thinking is that this would be a, a temporary situation just for 2024, he comes in, coaches the national team, helps them win a uh, helps them win um, a gold medal at the Olympics, and then, in my view, that he would probably step away and retire, and they'd bring someone else in to start a new quad 2025 through through 2028 um, for Paris. It just it seems so much, especially at 70 years old, to to, to be doing all all of this and. It, it, it's perfect sense right now because he he can manage those emotions and those and those people. But looking forward, you don't necessarily think that he's he's the long term solution. So I, I definitely agree with that as part of like as what Julio Velasco's job description is. It is for this year, the calendar year twenty twenty four. 
manage the personalities, manage the pieces, manage the the psyche of that team to peak at the Olympics. And I I, I don't I agree with you. I don't think that he is going to be asked then in 2025 to build a program for an entire four-year quad. I, I I don't see him wanting to do that. I don't even see like the Federation wanting him to be the guy to do that. But I don't I also don't see the benefit in getting rid of this long-standing rule that they have about the no double duty or whatever just for this one year. Clearly Velasco is the right guy and they needed to make a hire now considering when they fired Matsanti. So like they 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 have to do something to get a, a capable guy to to take that team to the Olympics, but I, I definitely don't see them undoing this rule and then redoing it 12 months from now. So I guess we'll see. And I, I also am not sure if or how this is going to affect the men's side. Like if, if the, if the Italian Federation bends on this and they allow Velasco to do both so that, that, that choice by the Italian Federation, I would have to but, think would, would carry over to both the men and the women. And then if this, if the Super Lega decides to allow it, then you could see Ferdinando de Giorgi coach in a club team next year, hypothetically. But, but didn't we see that back in like 2021? Wasn't that the case where de Giorgi was come was coming into the Italian men's national team and was coaching with Lube? I, I can't remember what exactly. So. I think Blangini has been there for a very long time. I, I think it's been a minute since de Giorgi has coached club, but I, I don't know that for sure. So uh, let, me, let me let me pull this up while we uh, while we uh, finish finish talking about this because Rob, this is this is this is kind of the theme right now because there's another conversation happening right this moment about about another coach. Let me just right. up the 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 Lube volley box here. Yeah, this Giorgi started as the coach in 2021. Remember, they fired him in the middle of the playoffs back in 2021. They fired him literally in the middle of of like the semifinals of the finals. Yeah, DiGiorgi started was was the coach through twenty twenty one. There's on volleyball. There's two head coaches wow. for um for so yeah. I remember something like that happening back in twenty twenty one. But Rob, we've been we've been we've been following this for a long time now. So it's uh it's hard when things happen exactly. <laughs> it's a I'm, I'm, it's a very confusing federational situation for Italy. But but moral of the story. Velasco is a very good hire for the Italian women. I think Everett and I are absolutely on the same page about that. And like we said, his job description, manage the personalities, manage the pieces for an Olympic year. You know who else is is being tasked to do that, Everett? Bernardino! As first first hypothesized on this very show, the instant Reynon Dalzotto retired from the team at the end of Olympic qualifiers... We thought immediately that that Bernardo that Bernardo Resende would return to the Brazilian men's national team to coach the team for just one year. Sure enough, uh, welcome back, Bernardinho. He is back as the head man for the Brazilian men to do the exact same job that Velasco is being called on to do for the Italian women. Manage the Brazilian team, manage all those egos, manage all those old guys, get the most out of a group for one season. And then when it when it comes to 2025 and the next quad, Brazil will figure it out when they get there. But uh, absolute no brainer here of a choice for what for a guy to lead you to one Olympics. This guy who already has an Olympic gold in the last 10 years, for God's sakes, this is a no brainer to convince Bernardino to come back. And that's exactly what we thought. Yeah, I mean, this it, it it's a similar situation to Italy, but it is also much different. Like Italy is is a team with so much talent and they have young talent coming up like there is a future when you look at that italian team i don't know what kind of future 
this Brazilian team has. This is this is a short term band aid, one hundred percent. This is a hey, we need to figure out something now while we have Bruno and we have some of these guys for their last breath. But that next breath for Brazil might be in a bright might be in a tough spot so and like like brazil is brazil is brazil like we've seen it time and time again how many times over the past couple of years have we doubted them and they've been able to, to come through with bernardino it does make them more lethal no no doubt Definitely. about it one of the things i've been seeing though is all of the questions like which players are going to come back like which players are going to are going to put themselves available to, to be available for this team what with bernardino come back like do we see douglas coming back is 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 that a is that a possibility? Like, there's there's been these questions. I've I was I was yesterday when I was on Instagram, like looking at this story and stuff like that. There's that's what the Brazilian fans are wanting to know. So, I think there's there's definitely some more question marks around this Brazilian team. But when you have a guy like Bernardino, who's not only knows this team but has built this team, I, I think Brazilian fans and the federation feel much better. Oh, and as they should, yeah. And when when it comes to 2025. There will be a huge number of questions, and those will not be Bernardino's problem because they, he will not be in charge of that next squad. This is a, a three-month window, or more, more like a, a six- or seven-month window from the new year to the end of the Olympic Games in August or whenever that's going to be. That's it. That is all that, that Bernardino is worried about at this point. Then he can go back into his retirement, and then somebody else will have to deal with the future of Brazil. But for now, to get the most out of this Brazilian team next summer, by far the really the only choice, the only choice, the the only choice. And I mean, if I'm Brazilian, I'm excited for this, but then kind of well, the last time we saw Bernardinho coaching at the international level was not great. Let's let's so go back to the, France, that. France that does not game. count. That that does not no. count. That 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 French French Euro volley in twenty twenty one does not count. They had just won Olympic gold. Uh, their they their legendary coach had just retired. They were all partying the entire time. They lost to the Czech Republic in the round of like sixteen or whatever. That tournament means yeah. that, that tournament means nothing. That no. tournament means absolutely nothing. Bernardino didn't do anything that tournament. He didn't have to. It wasn't. Did, don't don't even bring that one up. We're talking about Bernardino, who's an Olympic gold medal winning coach on Brazil, uh, gets to coach his son one last time. It's a nice story. It's the right decision. Um, it's it's the like, Glenn Hogue move. It is. Like, and it, we've, it's, yeah, of course. So yeah. my question is, who on earth is going to be Brazil's 12-man Olympic roster? And I have, I have no idea the answer to that. If, so, there's, <laughs> if there's one team, if there's... One team on the men's side that I'm excited to see in VNL is going to be Brazil because they have a lot of they have a lot to figure out. They do right it's on on the men's side. Everyone, every, every other team, and let's be honest, like other than like Serbia and Cuba, like the the Olympics is already set. Yep. Right. Like the the, the Olympics is already set. So everyone else is gearing up for for the Olympics with the same squad, the same guys, barring injuries, anything. Brazil, a lot of questions up there. Yeah. So. Ah man, that's it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting, but uh, that's probably going to be the last breath of international volleyball news that we have until 2024. I would say probably. Yeah, but I don't, uh, I, don't I, I don't really see anything I don't really see anything coming up, but who knows? But it is um, it is nice to be able to look forward to it. So that, that's what, that's what, cool. I do want to I I do want to address one question in the chat. Uh, who Jesus Miranda says Italian Italy has too many talented coaches. Why Velasco? A Velasco is technically Italian. Like he, he, is. he gained Italian citizenship. Italian for like thirty years. 
bro, he's been Italian for as long as I've been alive. Okay. <laughs> like I'm 31 years old. I'm, I turned 32 soon. Um, so he, he's been there a while. He's coached their team. He knows a lot, but like also all of the best Italian coaches are, are elsewhere. Guidetti, right. Santorelli, um, the, the the list really like the list list really goes on and on and on. This Georgi, like, it, go to Vlasco. I think it's the best thing. Yeah, like what I mean, all, all you need to know is that of all the Italian coaches that there are, the women have been dealing with Davide Mazzanti for the past few years. Like, yeah, that's clearly... that's like, you know, that's like eating craft dinner when you could be having. So, uh, all right, let's let's move on here from national team season. Let's stay in Italy, though. Let's stay. We'll head over to the men's Superlega. Rob throwing up the standings there, and I think Rob, let's let's talk about that team right on the top. Oh, yeah. of of the standings, and everyone's going to be like, "Oh, everyone just wants to talk about Canadians." Rob was the one who put Monza first in our show notes. They also beat Verona last Wednesday. They got two wins last week. Uh, they're supposed to play Verona next week in week six, but it got moved around. I'm assuming for um, some CEV stuff. But Rob, for Monza with a massive three nothing donging. Or sorry, three one, three one win over Verona on Wednesday. A lot to talk about here. Um, no Lawani, Francesco Sani, the American, is apparently um, uh, Italian, but this Monza team was rolling. First set, first set was was all them. Verona comes back, and then it was just. It was just easy for Monza. Dude, Monza's sick. <laughs> Monza's really good. Monza has no, they really have no weaknesses. They have excellent wings and they have options. They have very good and very underrated middles. Uh, I mean, I've, I really have liked Gabriele Di Martino ever since he played at Toronto. He's very underrated. Like that guy, uh, Galassi is, I mean, he's a national team starter. He's good at everything except serving the ball over the net. Certainly can't do that. <laughs> And then, and then you have Kachopa, who is who is at the very, very least a top half setter in the Super League, probably more like top three or four. So, yeah. uh, Mons is awesome. And what was interesting about this match, it, well, we, well, we'll talk about Verona in a minute and the absolute like roulette wheel that is their starting lineup and some of those complications. But we did not see Ibrahim Lawani at all. He is on the stat sheet, but I, I mean, watching this game last Wednesday, I didn't, I didn't see him. I didn't see him on the bench. I didn't see him dressed. I didn't see him warming up at all. And when Arthur Schwartz struggled a little bit, because he went eight for 24 with three errors, like not his best game. Not a great game. by with, Without without Lawani, who, I mean, we, we, we talked about it. When he came into the Super League last year, second second half of the year, he led the league in points per set. So, so for some reason, he's not available right now, and I don't know why. I have and, seen him. I've only seen him one time this season, and it was after a game. He was in uniform, and he he got up. But I can't remember. I want to say it was on Wednesday, but I can't. I can't be sure, so I'm not. I'm not going to say that. But yeah, so it, his some, absence is noted. His absence is noted because who came in for Arthur Schwartz at opposite in this match and helped and played great to help them win? None other than EFL Eric Lepke himself. Comes in an opposite and goes 10 for 17 with two blocks and no errors. He was gross. I was sick. <laughs> EFL was gross. And like ripping um, like legit D balls. Like he didn't play like a three outside hybrid thing. No, he no, went straight up was, opposite. He was playing straight up off. It was opposite. awesome. I, this, this kid used to play setter in 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 uh, like club in, in high school. So like we all know that EFL can do it all. But it just kind of like it shows that he's like ready and and waiting to go. Like he's that first guy off the bench. I would really like to see Monza 
play with that three hitter outside system right now. I, I know it's tough because Ryan Takahashi has been playing outstanding. Steven Marr has been their absolute workhorse. I mean, I think a number of people saw it in, in the Discord um, about how, like, oh, look, in system, we go to Ryan. Out of system, any junk balls, we're just going to go to Steven Marr. And, and, and that's kind of the way this been, that's been. But this Moon team is really, really on... Uh, on uh, on a tear right now, like four and one, their only loss comes against Perugia. They've beat Modena, they've beat Verona, they've beat Monza. Like this is this is a good team. This is this is, in my opinion, kind of a top four team. Yeah, they they look awesome. Uh, this was one of the best matches I've seen Ron Takahashi play. Uh, Sixteen for thirty four. Uh, 21 points total and four blocks, including several one-on-ones on a mean that were just enormous. Uh, he so he looked great. Mar has Mar had a really good start to the season. He's been a little bit quieter since. And the, the Everett, I, I will inform you that the Discord is very angry at your take about Mar only getting garbage balls because that's actually not what's happening here. Uh, Rand's just out, no, it's not. Rand's just out playing him, but. Uh, Mar Mar is a workhorse, and he's also getting targeted the most in reception. I mean, look at this: Mar passed forty-one balls, ran past seven. Yeah, so so there's a a clear difference in what's happening there as well. But I mean, Monza's sick. Monza is great. They have lots of options, and the I think the only thing that can stop them at this point is injury. And I'm certainly, obviously, I'm not wishing for that. I think they're really good. And like people are talking about in the chat. to answer this backup opposite question, they just signed this kid, Nik Mujanovic, the backup from Slovenia, who's very young. Um, he was playing for Kalsi Kamnik and is coming over. He's a 2004, so he's 19. And uh, uh, I guess from our people in the Discord, they say they like him and they say he's got a lot of potential. So um, he, he'll definitely be an emergency backup. But that just tells me more that something's going on with Lawani that we don't know about. It has to be injury-related. Like it has to be, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. It has to be. So yeah, that's uh yeah, Nick Bujanovic. So let's Crazy. talk let's talk about Verona here a little bit because Yeah, the, we, we have to we have to talk about Verona. There's there's right? there's, a, there's there's a lot to talk about. Uh still no Namori Keita, although he's listed on the roster here, so I assume that means he dressed and was in the building. That's a good sign. Yes. Uh another different starting lineup permutation for Verona. I mean they're gonna go through so many this year. We should honestly keep track of them. We saw Nikola Jovovic start at setter, which is a huge red flag for me because if you're going to sacrifice a foreigner spot on your setter with all the foreigner issues you already have in the starting lineup, then how bad is Luca Spirito? Well, really, we can start there. Th- th- well, I think I think we need to start start talk right away about Francesco Sani for a few reasons. First, like first and foremost, this I need to start. That was an outstanding performance from him. Right, especially since I've only ever seen Sandy. Did he play left side for UCI? Nope. <laughs> no, he was an opposite for he's, UCI. He's been an he opposite was, as far as I've ever seen him. He was an opposite when I saw him back up Jake Haynes with the, with the national the USA B team last summer at the at the Pan Am Cup. Like I know he's like put up good numbers for the USA team on the opposite. I had no idea he could pass the ball. I had no idea he was as good as that. Like the first half of this has to be praising Francesco Sani because that was an that was a fantastic performance. 16 for 31. He got two blocks out there. They were serving him. He got like he he was passing really well. He did get ace three times, still 42% uh positive, 31% perfect. Like he was out there balling. But tell me why, Rob St. Clair, he is considered Italian. 
He's played for the USA. He's a USA citizen. Sure, Sandy might be an Italian last name. He might have, you know, his grandmother's left toe that was Italian. Like, like, what is going on here? Like, this is this is so, supposed to be some of the most stringent foreign, foreign rules in the world. And Francesco Sandy, who suits up for Team USA in the summertime, is allowed to play for Italy. Now, there may be rules because he didn't set, suit up for the senior team, right? I believe he was on the the thirty man roster for Team USA um, for uh, he was um, for 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 VNL. Yep. But, but he never suited up for the senior team. But in my knowledge, there needs to be like a like a two year, uh, maybe not a two thing, but he needs to be able to like revoke his American citizenship to be naturalized as an Italian, right? Like, what is going on here? An Italian in the chat needs to let us know because. I was so confused. I was confused too. As as soon as I, I turned this match on last Wednesday, I, I looked at the lineup. I'm like, okay, what what is Jovovich doing out there? If Jovovich is out there, then that means there must be another Italian in the starting lineup. But I looked at it. I'm like, wait a minute, this this lineup cannot be compliant with the foreigner limit, unless by some miracle Francesco Sani is considered it's considered Italian. And sure enough, he is. Uh, I mean, so somebody in the chat says. He got Italian. Sonny has an Italian passport, even though he plays for Team USA. That, and I mean, his name is Francesco Sonny, for God's sakes. Obviously, he has a, a very significant Italian heritage. From what I was hearing, his his mother is Italian, like fully Italian. Okay. But th- th- this doesn't seem right to me. I, I don't understand how this works because, l- like you said, Everett, he plays for Team USA, like currently. And there's been nothing about him renouncing that ability or is his sport nationality on Volleybox and on the Verona website is is American, American. but, uh, but on the Lega Volley website, it's Italian. So I I really don't understand this. I mean, it, it, of course there is an advantage if you're going to play in the Super Lega to being Italian because you don't count against the limit. You, You have way more opportunities and that's exactly what we're seeing here for Sonny. He, uh, the only reason he's allowed to play here. And probably the only reason he is playing over, in this case, Rock Mozic for some reason, Stoogechev, is because is be, is because he counts as Italian. So that's a big advantage. But like this this like little dual citizenship loophole, I don't know the details. I'm very confused. I would like to know the answers because this doesn't really make sense to my understanding of how this works. Now, I, I'm not trying to take opportunities away from the kid. I'm really happy for Francesco Sani. He played great. I'm stoked for him, especially if he's still able to play for the U.S. Like that's that's fantastic. I I want him. I want as many reps for him as possible. I'm just I'm just confused. I think, if from what I understand, I think if you do have like an an official passport from that country, you can like you can play for them, right? Because you're considered kind of like kind of like a citizen. Like I've known I've known players in the past who you know. had like french citizenship and went and played in in france but like got paid like a uh like like a local player so that would make sense if you have an, a passport that would make sense that that you could be naturalized but is it is a stretch and if i was like if i was one of the like if this was f1 there would be inquiries about this right away because every other team would be would be questioning it because it's not like he came out and did nothing no he replaced rock Mozic, which is another thing that that needs to be talked about how are you replacing the heart and soul the best player of your team your top score for some no name who's never never played this position before and he's fresh out of the united states now sandy did outstanding and for me that like 
I couldn't believe I was watching the same player that I had seen only in warmups because he never got a sniff of the court when I watched him in Gatineau. Uh, he was he was outstanding. I think yeah, he that was very was good. One, that was the one thing is that like he was the best player for for Verona on this day, hands down. Which I will very say impressive. was I, I was very impressed as well. That was a pretty low bar because Verona this particular match was not good. They were, no, they, fr- were. they were frustrating to watch. Uh, Amin made way too many errors. And for some reason, Donovan Zavaronok, who played okay but not great, started over Rock Mozic. Like, what are we what are we doing here, Stoichev? What are we doing? How how, how in, in any situation can you take Rock Mozic off the court for this team? And 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 not even start him. I I do not understand that in any way at all. Also, how bad is Lucas eventually? How bad is Lucas Spirito really if you have Nikola Jovovic setting over him? I didn't think Jovovich did it that bad of a job. He, he did. I thought he was pretty good. But like the 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 foreigner limit consequences are such that Spirito has to play. So well, clearly how, not. Because you have clearly not. You have you have the uh, the uh, the American meatball, uh, Francesco Sani out there, <laughs> just <laughs> just just going after people. So so this is a confusing one. This so this this match was last Wednesday. They they played it in advance, and that kind of led us into an entire full weekend. Of Super League games, uh, and I mean, we can talk about Verona's game really quickly while while we're talking about them. They they stomped on Catania on the road. I don't know what they were doing, losing a set. And of course, if you start your best player, Rock Mozic, he'll drop 30, 30 points, twenty five for forty two attacking, four blocks and an ace, and like sky high efficiency. Yeah, five forty eight efficiency. Yeah, what are you doing, Stooge Chef? Going to keep this guy on the bench? Get out of here. Uh, I have nothing. I have nothing else to say about this match. Oh, Alex Grozdanov was very good. Uh, Sani played again and was good. Like Catania's Catania's terrible. They're, they're probably going to get relegated. Most dropped thirty on them. Yeah, whatever. But uh, Verona continues to be an absolute circus. I still, I'm still heavy on the Gianni to to Verona train. I I'm, I'm with only, you. I may be the only person. Um, Who's 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 with like you know maybe you and I are the only people who are who are on that but uh, I, I think they need a change of coach. There's, there's too much talent on this team to just be like we don't need to pass or play defense. Let's just swing. <laughs> Let's just hit the ball. Just not how that just not how that yeah. works. All right, yeah. so that, that that's enough about that match. Uh, where where do you want to go next for this weekend of Super League games? Um, I mean, to be honest, this game was pretty chalk, or this this weekend was pretty chalk. I really like watching Trento versus Piacenza. Uh, on Saturday, I thought Piacenza was really good for, or Trento was all right, or like Piacenza was good for about a set and a half, and then everything just kind of started started going uh, Trent, Trento's way. Other than that, the only big thing that I really want to talk about is Milano versus Chiviteno versus. Oh Uve. yeah, let's like, do it. I, I, let's let's, let's go it. right into that. There's a reason that Paolo Poro is on our thumbnail. I watched a bit of this game. I saw the result on Sunday. I messaged Rob and I was like, hey, we need to throw King Poro on this thumbnail because this is a winless team. Now, Rob, I'm going to take you back to last week. I'm going to take you back to last week when I apologized to Lube Chivitanova. I said, I was wrong. You know, you started your season a little rocky. I'm not sure about your roster. You lost to Monza, but Monza's pretty good. But then you went and went toe-to-toe with Perugia in the Supercopa Finals, and it was a great matchup. You, you know... You won your semifinal against, uh, was it Piacenza that they played? doesn't really matter. And then you beat Perugia last week. And then you turn around with this absolute stinker against Milano. And you go 0-3. Oh, 
but Milano was really good. Paolo Porlo is the truth. It's just something he just he just invigorates. He has that Tim Tebow effect. He invigorates the entire team with the Holy Spirit, and they're just ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's funny. Yesterday, uh, there's a there was a gigantic uh, junior boys tournament in Chicago. Uh, like one of the, one of the early ones of the junior club season, and I was there, and I was talking to a bunch of my coach friends, and I was actually talking about Francesco Sani because I, I, I was talking to this coach from his old club team in Maryland about the fact that he's apparently Italian now. But another thing that we were talking about is the the shift between uh, tall setters who are good at everything except setting versus short setters who are only good at setting. And uh, I, I brought up the fact that I just really like watching a, a slightly smaller setter with just a ton of personality and just a ton of confidence, just a little bit of that Paolo swagger. And Poro, man, I, I have completely turned a, a corner on Paulo Poro. I now really like watching the kid because even if his – back setting location is not very good i mean he stuff blocked ivan zaitsev twice in that first set that were like huge on milano making that comeback because they were down in that first set they ended up winning it 25 21 which looks comfortable but they were down by a good bit um they were yeah they were down 21 19 and went on a six to nothing run that's pretty crazy so i i love the way that poro played obviously a night and day difference for milano after sucking with this zonta kid uh the first couple weeks of the season and then Poro comes in, and immediately they're back to being a competitive team. Now, we also have to give Ferry Rager a whole lot of credit. 13 yes. for 20, 600 efficiency. Banger. The, the, the right situation for Milano is, is very interesting. You have Peter Dillich, who's done it before. He's been there before. We saw him have a great season with just the last year. But like, Ferry Rager's, Rager's was really good last year for Canuck. I think so. I yeah, one of one of the Belgian one of the Belgian teams, and then was one of the biggest surprises um, th- this summer at the uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. It's I, I think it's a great move. I think he fits in with the rest of this highly skilled Milano roster. Like when you have like Kaczynski and Ishikawa and Magyarejo on on that left side, you can rotate through them with Riga. Like this is a very very good Milano roster. It just shows how bad Nicolas Zonta is sorry but like <laughs> he was absolutely terrible you have he like, was bad. this team this team was winning games with the Batapur as a middle last year right and and with with so many different issues and they were able to figure that out they weren't able to win with all of their guys and and a backup setter but um there's a lot of good things happening with with Milano and now that they've now that they've they've got their guy back I expected to see them go for for a bit of a run but on the other side Lube looked terrible. Dicheco looked detungus, old, <laughs> old and, and uninspired. Um, and Zaita is bad. It was very much like, I think we're going to see this from Lube. I don't, I, I know I put in our show notes, notes are Lube frauds. I don't necessarily no, think they're no, frauds. No. I think this is a very good team that can turn up when they want, but this is also a team that can fall asleep when they when Yeah, they, when they I... I don't think Lube are frauds. I think that this happens to them. They're they're an old team on average. Tacheco some has has had matches in the past where he just phones it in, and this was one of them. And the other thing for Lube, the the one hinge pin of their team is how Ivan Zaitsev plays on the left side because of their issues with the foreigner limit. He has to be good. And this match, he was he was pretty bad. Uh, poor in reception, poor in attack bad very bad serving i don't know what's going on with the serving this year that's a 
another conversation. But he was so bad that he had to be benched for Marlon Yans. And in order to do that with the foreigners, you also have to bench Bartholomew Chinonese, which is never a good thing. So when Zaitsev struggles and DiCecco phones it in, Lube is going to lose. And that's going to happen. That's okay. There's still a team that can go deep in the playoffs. Uh, but Lube is what? Let's go back to the standings. They're what, like two and two to start the year? Yeah, two and two with, yeah. with only five points. Like other than like they have the the win over Perugia was enormous, but record wise, this is not that good of a start to the year for a team with Scudetto aspirations. So we'll keep an eye on how often Lube plays matches where they phone it in. But uh, this was just a case, in my opinion, of Milano needed this more. Milano needed this match much more. They had their starting setter back. Don't ever think that having a correct setter doesn't make a difference in elite level volleyball because it obviously does. You saw Augustine Loser play his first good game of the season because of it. You saw um, an, you saw Ragers be great. Now, um, I'm not sure if Ragers is the answer day in and day out. I do think that Zierlich is the better player right now, but I'm also wondering if Zierlich is getting punished for having a couple bad games early in the year off a backup setter. Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe. I don't, maybe not punished, but maybe they were just trying a new look. They did go fair Riegers in the last match. Um, so, like, this isn't the first time that they've done it. I think it's just, it's just early in the season, and you, and you need to figure some things out. Um, you know, maybe there may be things that they're seeing in practice, too. You know? Who knows? Like, maybe over the past little bit, as Poro was getting bad, Poro was running with the with the bench guys at practice, and him and Riegers were, were lighting things up, and they, they decided to change. So I think it's just too early in the season to 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 kind of figure this stuff out. But I do fully agree that having Durlich there is a is a great situation. You're not going to completely switch to Riegers just on his on his own. Um, he's too young, too inexperienced, too unproven. And Durlich, like you know, that he's going to be able to come in and do some do some good stuff. So I think we're going to see a little bit of both from these guys this year, for sure. So uh, good for Milano. They uh, have their first win of the season. Poro is back. Poro is a good setter. We'll have to like. Maybe at the midway point of the year, we might have to do some position rankings as far as Super Lega players go, because I'm curious to see how uh, how high up on the setter list Paolo Poro ends up getting. Um, let's talk about a couple of the other, these other matches uh, very quickly. Monza, in one of the great beatdowns we'll probably see all year, absolutely embarrassed Toronto in one hour and seven minutes. This was never even close. Uh, I think Monza hit 500 efficiency as a team and had more aces than service errors. And Toronto is just bad. Toronto is this, bad. We could be seeing we could be seeing a relegation team in in Toronto right now. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Toronto's not good. They're Tor- very, they're not. Toronto is not good. Uh, one ace to ten service errors is horrible, and that one ace came from Jeff Jendrick. So all of their actual. Spin servers are, are not putting the ball in play. Uh, bad offensive numbers, incredibly bad reception numbers. Uh, Monza was awesome. Those are two teams in completely different leagues. And uh, this was a significant donging, a donging of the highest order. And we don't need to spend any more time on that match. Uh, Trento Piacenza, I, I wanted to talk about a little bit because you're right. Uh, Piacenza, when, when Piacenza looks good, they look good. Mm-hmm. And, and they look phenomenal in that third set. Uh, 25 yeah. 16, they won that. And that, yeah, was they, after, they, and that was after making their lineup changes because they didn't have Yuri Romano at all. It was all Fabrizio Gironi on the right side, who I believe in like a negative amount. But Ioanni Leal was horrible. Uh, he started and was really bad and hit zero 
0% efficiency, and they brought in Francesca Recchine in the third, and that actually helped. So they won that set comfortably and then ended up losing it. But, but Chine was actually pretty good there for, for yeah, a little bit. I, I know um, Dave, was it Dave Rogers doing the call of that game? He was all about Recchine, but uh, he, he, was, he was pretty good. It's just they just don't have this consistency. I don't know. Ah, Piacenza just, it, it's just weird. But at, at the end of the day, like the consistency of Trento is really what, what shot yep. through in this one. Absolutely. Uh, Camille Rakliski with a very good game, 15 for 27, only one error. That's above 50% efficiency. That's that's excellent. And then uh, 10 aces to 16 serve errors for Trentino, six aces to 18 serve errors for Piacenza. That is a big, big difference. Massive difference. Massive difference. And Leal, Ney is right. Leal was really bad, bad. in this one was Leal was really, really bad. That's why, that's why they had to bring Ricina in because yep. Leal, Leal was just bad. Also who was bad um, was uh, our lefty friend. Why am I why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, because they had to bring in Baroni to play on the right side that ever, uh, that, in this you, one. So the, the, good, uh, good listening comprehension skills. I already said that Yuri Romano didn't even play. He didn't even start. Okay. That they didn't have him. I, I, I only tuned in in the, in the second set, so I just assumed that he was playing poorly. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess he's a little banged up, but this is a consequence for Piacenza literally not having a second opposite on the roster because Gironi is an outside hitter, and like I thought he, he did pretty good though. He was he was okay statistically. Um, he, ten ten for twenty three six errors like that's that's certainly not great. Uh, I have no faith in the guy to be a super no. leg opposite like that's oh, just, absolutely that's not. just not it's not it's not his job. It's not what he's brought in to do. So. I don't really know what Piacenza is doing, but uh, without Romano even in the lineup, there they're probably not going to have a lot of success against a team that is as good as Trentino, and no. it's consistent. And that's that's the thing. No, the only the, the the big thing for me was just how good Robert Landy's one and this one. God, he's awesome. Nine <laughs> for fourteen, four blocked. Like, there's so many times like, he, he he was the guy that really like spurned things on for for this team too, and it's also tough too when Puzov is out there missing five serves. Same thing with uh, same thing with Gironi. Just a lot of service errors, eighteen service errors, as you said there, Rob. Just 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 bad watch. Just bad to watch. I I wish that Simon was still playing for Lube with Tacheco. Oh, that's just. I can I, I I personally would take a one for one switch. Give Chin and Yeze to Piacenza so he can play with with Brizard. Give Simone back to Lube so he can play with Dicheco. If there were one switch I could make in volleyball, I think that would be it. My assumption is though is that like the, the, their contracts don't line up. Their contracts don't match up. I'm assuming, and I remember when when he was moving there, Ronnie was kind of telling us that like I think Piacenza is paying him money. A hundred percent money. Like, yeah. The, the only reason you leave Lube after winning a Scudetto is for the bag, and I respect that. But uh, I just, just I, I, the fan, want to watch, want to watch Robert Landy and Dechenko some more. But uh, Robert Daddy Simone, I don't know how we never thought about that. Kinney diaper, that's amazing. Robert Daddy Simone, hundred percent. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a layup. Uh, speaking of very good teams, we should talk about Perugia and Modena. Uh, this was a fun match. Uh, you know Everett, who looks really, really good. Who's that? That would be Wasim Bentara. You know, who told y'all that, that this man is really good? <laughs> I did. I did. Once but... again, I have never said that he wasn't very good. I just didn't think he was the answer. And now I may be wrong on that. He he's, looks very good. He, he's the answer. 
he, he looks very good, but he shouldn't have been the answer, right? That team last year was more than good enough to win. Um, and you shouldn't need to go out and, and, and get another guy. Um, but well, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how he looks down the stretch. I think it will be interesting. Like Herrera barely getting any sniffs since, uh, we've seen Bentara is coming in. So we know how points, uh, 18 points, 14 for 23 attacking five twenty two efficiency, three blocks in an ace. I mean, come on that in, in a four set match that that's a, that's a, that's a masterclass. That's so yeah. good. Oh, it's, it, it is very good. I mean, hell like Perugia hit 59% as a team. So did Modena though. That actually kind of surprises me um from from watching that game but uh, uh 11 I mean, 11 blocks to four is a big difference and i thought yeah. that uh ole plotnitsky and camille semenu combined uh 22 for 35 attacking 485 commission efficiency combined for the two of them like that is a phenomenal output from the two outside hitters that are not named wilfredo leon yeah that's uh Bruges is good, man. <laughs> what <do> you... <laughs> Bruges, Bruges is really good at volleyball. Um, yes, they've, got the best, they've got the best um, players in the world. And let's be honest, Monza, or sorry, Modena, not very good. They're not, like, in my in my book, they're not even, like, a top six team right now. Well, they're, I, would, I, I agree. I would have Milana and, Mo, and Monza ahead of them. And, like, they're, 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 they're fighting with Verona right now, in my opinion. So, Modena... I don't understand what Moden is doing because, like, like people, like people are talking about in the chat. Uh, Bentara physically completely dominated Osmani Wantarena, like across the net from him, like stuffed him one on one several times. A hit was hitting straight over the top of him. I don't really know what Moden is doing because they 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 they've been starting with Wantarena and Rinaldi at outsides and Bruno and Saposhkov on the right. I'm like. The usual suspects otherwise mm-hmm. but then when Sapochkov wasn't good uh i mean he actually wasn't even that bad 10 for 16 they brought in vlad daviskiba at opposite i don't know why they're doing that why aren't you letting vlad daviskiba play his position he's a very good, he's a very good outside hitter very yeah. good one he's he's a good pastor um like his hitting in this one was incredible 10 for 15 i mean he was he was terminal regardless right only he only had one continue on 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 the afternoon. He was ten for fifteen, got blocked twice, made two errors. So he was <laughs> he was terminal regardless. But there is a lot of question marks, and I mean, for it just shows how I I don't know if that coaching change for Modena last year was a good idea. Like n- nothing has, has seemed to have worked so far so far for them, and this is a team that is is struggling. Well, also I I didn't know this. Thanks, Matt ninety eight in the chat. Uh, Filippo Federici, their new libero, needs surgery, and that was that was a big upgrade over Salvatore Rossini that they brought in this offseason, and now they have to put a bandaid on that with this Ricardo Golini kid, who I know nothing about. Uh, but so that's a big loss. Um, I, maybe maybe Saposhkov got hurt. I, I I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. So Berkai is saying that Saposhkov is hurt. That makes a lot more sense. And uh, Giulio Pinali is still hurt and. That would be an instant tank job, which would be punishable by relegation if you started Giulio Pinali at opposite. I would, I would just refuse to watch this. Oh games. come on, Modena with Pinali is better than Toronto. No, no chance. Yeah, no, hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. If if Don't... any if any team in the Super Lega starts Giulio Pinali at opposite, they deserve to be relegated. Didn't Padova start him last year? No, and they didn't get relegated. So part of, I, I part of us started I, uh, our, our good friend Dushan Petkovic all season. Oh, last year. 
<laughs> good times <laughs> good times uh so yeah oh, I, I, I guess i miss petkovich i miss you asking Everett, who do you think this stat line is for? <laughs> yeah, I, I miss I miss a good Dushan Petkovich stat line. Those are always fun to see. Also, because like Petkovich is kind of a bro. Uh, like I slam some like this is like going back to Nations League, maybe twenty twenty, no twenty nineteen. It would have been this would have been pre pandemic. We all went to the bar after Nations League, and, and Serbia is there, and this is when he had just been signed for for Scra. And I was like, Pekovic, I like your game, blah blah blah. They had just beat Canada that day, so he bought me a beer, and he's like, I'm going to Scra this year, so we cheers for that, and then chugged a beer together. Um, <laughs> it's too bad he can't put the put the ball in the court. That's awesome. I love that story. Um, last but not least, speaking of opposites on Padova, Everett, I am very pleased. Then no, I'm not. I'm not going to claim that I watched Padova beating Chisterna in five, but. Yeah, this may not. this may have been the best match of Gabby Garcia Fernandez's career. Twenty seven points, twenty four for thirty eight attacking, five fifty three efficiency, and three aces. Thank goodness! Thank goodness he produced whoa, whoa, a match whoa. like that. One match, one match, yeah. one match. It's so we know it's possible. Of course, it's we possible. know it's possible against one of the, the less, lesser teams in the Superliga. Am I am I saying that he's going to be the savior for for Team USA moving forward? Hell no. Let's 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 give this man some time. He's also produced some stinkers this 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 uh, um, this year. So I think there's a lot of question marks on some young opposites in this league right now. When you look at Shapochkov, you look at Schwartz, you look at um, um, who are we talking about now? GGF. Hell, even if you add in Kyle Russell, like there's mm, well, he's not young anymore. He's 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 not a young man anymore. Fair enough. How old is Kyle Russell? Yeah, I don't know, probably, no, he's probably 26, 27. Might be a, a year or two younger than me. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll look that up later. I mean, Teo Four of Chisterna. He, he's a, a new young opposite in the Super League. Another one, exactly. yeah. Gab, uh, Gabby, great match. I'm, I'm happy to see this. I'm, I'm rooting for him to have a great season. I mean, I would like to see him do it again against a much, much better block defense team because Chisterna is not that good, although they block 12 balls in this five-setter. Uh, another thing to keep an eye on, kind of like we saw, like we talked about in, the, in our Super League preview ever that we did with Tommy Blizzard, how soon are we going to see young man Luca Poro at outside hitter for Padova, Paolo's little brother? And this was the first sighting that we had of Poro at outside hitter. He came in for Matisse DeSmet in the third set, was okay, uh, three for seven attacking, actually passed the ball very well and got an ace. So, uh, However, then uh, Desmet came back in to start the fifth set. So keep it. If you're gonna if if you're gonna look at Padova's stat sheets and not watch their games, which is exactly what I'm doing, <laughs> the two things that I'm curious about are Gabi Garcia Fernandez's stats and how much is Luca Poro playing at outside hitter form. Also, got to give Davide Gardini credit. He's had two really good games in a row, uh, keeping his spot on court. So that that's uh, good for him. By the way, Kyle Russell, 30 years old. He's a 93. Woo. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. So he he is that's what I was saying. Like he is not at all a young man. He's that with that mustache alone should tell you that that he's uh he's he's an old man out here. Uh, Matt ninety eight, you clearly are not familiar with uh, the American university system. We have so few men's NCAA programs that we can't even rank a top twenty five. There are not very many NCAA men's volleyball programs. There are not very many opposites coming through the men's NCAA system. And even less of those opposites are American. So we don't have that much of a talent pool to pull from. There's, you guys got to understand what we're dealing with. With like The, the American pipeline is, is, is thin. The diameter of that pipe is not very much. It is very small. No. 
the fact that the fact that you guys have and I mean, hey, first point is doing a great job at getting men's volleyball integrated True. into two UK. new NCAA men's programs this week. Great news. Uh, Northern yeah. Kentucky and Maryland Eastern Shore. Very, very good news of that. But there's there's in realistically, there is more post-secondary institutions per capita in Canada that support men's volleyball than the United States. Much more. Right. Like much, much, much more. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's actually crazy. It's weird that people think that there's this, this idea, like on the women's side, you have so many. Yeah. And I mean, hey, the numbers on the women's side have been huge for the NCAA, right? Like, like better than football in the Big Ten, which is, which is crazy. But men's indoor, not the same at all. No, not at all. So uh, that's it for the men's Super League, right? Did, did, did we miss anything? I think that's a pretty good recap. No, I think I think that's a pretty much it. It was kind of a quiet week. Not really many big matchups, but some teams still making some big moves. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Are we gonna, uh, do you want to jump over to the women now? Let's do it. Yeah, over El, El Feminino. Um, once again, for me, there was there was one big matchup this week. We we talked about it a little bit last week. Novara was one of the undefeated teams heading into this one, and they it just showed that their 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 record was very much due to strength of schedule. Agreed. Agreed. So that was uh, Novara's first big test, which is why last week you asked me, and I, I still would put Novara fourth in, in the Lega Volley Feminile at best because I don't see them beating Malonza, Scandici, or Corneliano. And sure enough, uh, they lose this one three to one. The, 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 the glaring stat lines that pop out to me, Vita Akimova at opposite for Novara, 18 for 56 with 17 errors. 17 <sighs> errors, eight unforced, blocked nine times. How do you even get blocked nine times in a, in a four-set match? That's honestly kind of um, incredible. How do you get blocked nine times in a four set match and then you kept on and and and, and not not get the yank? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But, uh, but also like like they just kept on the ball. Fifty six attempts, fifty six attempts, almost like thirty three percent of the attempts, and she's making that many errors. It's just it's just bad coaching, bad coaching all all around there for, from Novara. Hey 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 Everett, uh, remind me who is Novara's head coach? Oh. Mazzanti. No, wait. no, no, no. It's, that would be Bar- 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 Barbellini. No, that would be none other than Lorenzo Bernardi, our very good friend. Oh, yeah, who shoot, I forgot it was Bernardi. Was firing, we have called for for decades, and now he's on the women's side, uh, ruining a good Navarra team with his with his stoogery. Um, also, Katarina Bosetti got aced eight times. And honestly, it's a miracle that Novara won a set. You watched this game, right? Uh, th- what, what what were your takes on this? Um, it was really like the only reason that they they want to set is because they limited their errors in the second set and Milano made Malonza made more errors like that's really the only reason like Bosetti got aced four times in the first set alone so the first set was just like a cakewalk for Malona Malonza uh Navarra pushed back a little bit um in in the uh in the second Ogona was making some errors um and I think they made like six errors in total, four hitting two on on from serve. But then after that, like they Malone's had just turned things on, and it, it it wasn't even close. I actually fell asleep towards the end of this match. Um, <laughs> 30, I did, I, yeah. thirty from Paula Egonu, twenty eight for fifty one, uh, very high efficiency, four fifty one efficiency plus two blocks. So that was uh, probably her best statistical match of the year, if I had to guess, because uh, 
Malone's is in a good spot, man. They've they've got a lot of options. They've they've uh, started their Champions League campaign, and they've been able to keep it going on the bench because they're so 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 much more talented than these other miserable teams they're playing in a couple different spots. Uh, good to see Brenda Castillo. She yes. is she is in Italy. She is the starting libero on Malone's. She is one of the best, probably the best libero on the planet. Uh, she looked great. They were there. <laughs> every team is doing everything they can not to serve her for good reason, and instead. They're serving on serving Miriam Silla 42 times and acing her seven times. And she doesn't get benched. What are we doing? What are we doing? She's not attacking that well either. Oh, I mean, nine for 20 with one error is fine. But like getting a seven times. Come on, man. It's crazy to me when I look recently, just like the efficiency of outside hitters, in the women's game in general. Dude, it's bad. Right? Like, it is bad. Yeah. I mean, like when you look at Silla's numbers here, they're they're not that bad because when you, if you look down at Nika Dalderop, Dalderop was way worse at five for twenty three with three errors. Right? Like what? Yeah, she she got she got blocked she got blocked three times. So what is the deal? The, you bring I, in Helen because out too, and she got blocked three times, and you know, like a set in a little bit because she got subbed in in the second and third as well. So there's just so many question marks on the on the outside hitters right now. I think in 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 this is a on a world scale question. Gabi is the best outside hitter in the world. I think that Arena Fedorovtseva is comfortably the second best outside hitter in the world, and I would say that Li Yingying, who plays in the Chinese league, so we don't think about her in the club season, is the third best outside hitter in the world. Past that, what outside hitters in the world do we have that can score and also pass? I guess Alexa Gray is is much like higher on the list than I thought. Like there, there aren't very many players that can do both. So the the, the women's global outside hitter position is, I'm, I would I wouldn't say it's in a very good spot right now. It's it's weird, eh? It's just it's it's just very weird how you look around the world and that the issue is is consistently the it's same for everywhere. Everyone. It's everywhere, it, it, which makes me appreciate Gabi even more because. She might be the best receiver in the world, even including liberos, and also is is a ridiculously great scorer from three different spots on the court. So, like, I I appreciate her more watching all these other outside hitters struggle to score points so much in the Superliga. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, yeah, national team. Okay, Kurt is playing opposite in Russia right now. Berkai. Uh, and Anna Christina is hurt, but I, I am excited to to get her back for Fenerbahce. Hopefully, at some point, uh, she can be a legitimate starter all season. Uh, Plummer has improved her passing. Eh, I, I'm I'm not convinced. I've seen her play too much for Team USA and not pass the ball well. <laughs> there 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 are rumors with Gabi potentially leaving Vakif Bank. We don't talk about transfer rumors on the show in the middle of the club season. I have a big pet peeve about that. We're not going to talk about those things. Uh, anything else about the Lega Volley Feminile over the weekend? I didn't think there no. were any. There, there wasn't really much going on. Big ups to Busto for getting a win over Castel Maggiore, but that's about it for me. T- to be honest, like really, just not uh, not enough happening. I need to watch. I need to to spend some time watching the Lega Volley Feminile properly other than just like one or one or two matches but there's just so many like there's just last year there was so much competition it seems that this year hasn't been so much yeah i'm just like there aren't very many teams in the leg of life feminilia that really interest me outside of the top three 
Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly whenever those top three, like Corneliano, Mamalonza, Scandici, whenever they play each other, I'm going to watch those games because that is, yeah, that's good volleyball. But like, it feels like there's, there's just a massive talent disparity. And even like in the middle of the pack, the, the quality of volleyball just isn't, I'm not saying the quality isn't good, but it's not that interesting to me for, for some reason. Yeah, let's maybe we maybe we just need to dive into it a, a little bit I, more. But. I think we do. Here's the standings in case anybody's curious. Uh, Corneliano back on top of the league where they belong. Uh, they, are they the only undefeated team left? Yes, they are. Yeah. And uh, Novara tied with them in points, but Corneliano's got a match in hand. Let's see. Is there anything good coming up this week? No. Uh, none of the good teams are playing each other. This is probably going to be another snooze fest week. I mean, Corneliano, Bergamo, Malonza, Pinarolo, Novara, Valafolia, and Scandici, Cuneo. Like those are those are not good games on paper. <laughs> no, that's not, not good games. <laughs> that is a that is a pretty rough week. Uh, how about on the men's side? Mono versus Padova, Lube versus Catania, Verona, Mons already happened. Piacenza versus Cisterna, Trentino versus Milano. That's really the only good game. This I, would, I wouldn't say there's. there's oh no, sorry, that's tomorrow. Yeah, all these all these games are tomorrow. There's a, a midweek, tomorrow. mid a little midweek sesh for the Superliga. Uh, Modena versus Lube, Perugia, Piacenza. Those are uh, on Sunday. Trentino versus Monza. That one I like. Ooh, that's more like Trentino. That okay. is that's that. Like that's it. a big. That's a big matchup for Monza because, yeah, to me, Trentino is the second best team in the league right now. And if Monza really wants to establish themselves, like taking down Trentino would be like if their only loss in the first half of the, the season was to per- Perugia, that would really put them on the map. Yeah, really. Uh, map. Okay, so that 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 is fun. We've got a, a day of a, a day of Super League games tomorrow, which is fun, and, um, even if the matchups aren't very good, and then uh, a, a normal weekend full of games. Um, speaking of things going on in the middle of the week, we're going to talk about Women's Champions League. But first, Everett, let the people know about that volleyball.store. Absolutely. That volleyball.store is our home for everything volleyball stores. You get your 9 by 9 gear. You can't get out of system gear, though. You're going to have to head over to them for that. And if you use the code SPICE, you get 15% off. Um, that we, we might throw down a little bit of a of a, uh, of a black black market, Black Friday. Um, <laughs> That black volleyball dot a... store basically is the black market. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, oh, Rob, actually, I have some designs to to send you. Ooh. Um, later, later to, do the, it. to 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 possibly go live. But yeah, head it over to that volleyball dot store. Dot store. Use the code Spicy um, for fifteen percent off. And of course, it's time to talk about our favorite segment. Where's Daddy? Where's Where Daddy Stankovic? Where, Where was, was he? he? So last week, uh, as I as I always do, I hide Daddy Stankovich somewhere on this show. And when you find him, uh, you get to comment the timestamp of where you found him after the stream is over. And uh, the first one to find Daddy gets a shout out. This was some of my finest work. This is a difficult one because I was looking through last week's assets and there was just a lot of like, you know, graphics of standings and stuff. And there, there weren't a lot of very good places to hide Daddy Stankovich. So I'm actually surprised I didn't think about this earlier. I hit him inside the volleyball source logo. Did anyone get it? Yeah, we, we had a couple people get it. We had uh, Lifeless Vimo says daddy hidden in the volleyball source logo. And uh, John Laos says, holy cow, this took so long to find. Yeah, this is at the very beginning and at the very end of last week's episode only, like not during the main part of the show. So this is a hard one. This is a hard one, but still we got two people that found daddy Stankovic. So uh, maybe this week he's a little easier. Maybe not. I'm not going to tell you. 
but Daddy Stankovic is hidden somewhere this week. If you find him, wait till the, the live stream is over and comment the timestamp of where he is in the main YouTube comment section. Yeah, this 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 was a good one. We might have to put this on a shirt. This logo right here with with like with Daddy Stankovic's face. We might have to put this on a shirt. You know what? You may uh, you throw me out that asset. Like maybe let's clean it up a little bit so it's not as pixelated. Oh yeah, I yeah. I'll, I can make I can very easily make a high res version of this. Okay, yeah, I like that. I like that. Let's let's do it up. <laughs> I really like this one. <laughs> uh, just daddy poking out the volleyball source logo. A match made in heaven. A match made in heaven, Everett. Match made in heaven. Daddy in the logo. Daddy. Love it. Love him. Okay, let's let's skip over to the CEV Champions League. Oops, that is uh, zoomed in a little bit too far. I will fix that. Uh, so the, the Champions League on the women's side got kicked off last week. As we predicted on this show, there was absolutely nothing interesting uh, because, as is so typical for Champions League, the early couple weeks are the good teams playing the bad teams in each pool. L- literally, of the 10 games last week, uh, here they are. Of the 10 games last week, Eight three dongs. Eight three dongs. There's yeah, a th- pretty, uh, pretty normal. Yeah, a, a three one with uh, Alba Blas from Romania beating LKS Woods from Poland, which actually is kind of an upset. And then uh, Zhezhov beating Stuttgart in five. That was by far the 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 best match last week. Um, I, I was looking at some stats from this. Ever, I don't know of this player, Gabriela Orvosova, an opposite on Zhezhov. Uh, I that that's not a Polish name. I assume she might be. Uh, Russian or some somewhere else from Eastern Europe. I'm going to look her up right now. But she dropped 29 uh, in a Champions League game. That's pretty good. And then Crystal Rivers on the Stuttgart side at opposite dropped 24, uh, but it wasn't quite enough. A 15-12 Zhezhov in the fifth. So that was definitely the only good Women's Champions League match last week. And actually, there is Women's Champions League week two. Starts literally right now. We've got uh, Kamnik versus Budavani Woods right now and again there are no good matches on paper this week it, it, it's, it's it, it kind of um, sucks orvo sova is czech okay thank you she's young she's a 2001 okay yeah 29 in a champions previous... league game yeah she played for them last year as, as well too nice okay yep uh all right i'm i'm impressed by that but other than that i have i have no takes on on the women's champions league somebody in the chat says they could literally do champions league with six teams and i agree (laughs) we've talked about this rob we've talked about this there's so many better ways to do it once again this is just volleyball being like well this is what soccer does we just do what soccer does we we right they they do this we do that i buy you cookie you get me cookie um it was just like like it's just stupid we we know like let's 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 group them like like a group of six at the top and then the group, you know, like all the way down, get, get rid of champions league, CEV cup, challenge cup, just make it one big competition and you can move up and down, up and down. And everyone's going to be like, Oh, at the end, it's just going to be all the Italian teams and all Turkish. It is what it is anyways. I would much rather watch just the Italian teams and the Turkish teams play each other. You know what? Let's just screw champions league. Italian leagues and Turkish leagues. Let's take your top four and just face off all year. That's what I want to see. I think it's a waste of money to play all these terrible three dawn games. Like we're going to ask all these clubs from, from like lesser leagues from less, less financed volleyball countries and ask them to travel three times across Europe just to get three dong by better teams, all, all champions league fourth round. Like 
this this it's it's not only is it a bad product but it's wasteful yeah it's it's, it's more glaring i think on the women's side like there are there are there are just never any there are not even any upsets in these pool play games like very very rarely and then you like like you said it ends up just being the italian teams versus the turkish teams at the end of the in the playoffs anyway what are we doing yeah it's it's like 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 honestly like 65 percent of the champions league sucks like in terms of watching it like 65 percent of it is not fun to watch on the women's side, it's four out of the six rounds of the of the pool play games are terrible. Yeah, it's just straight three dongs weeks one and two, and then finally week three, when, uh, whenever that is. Well, let me actually look. When's uh, when's week three? Is it next week or do we have to wait a little bit? It's two weeks from now. So finally, we get some good games that week. Like we get Vakith Bank versus Malonza. That's awesome. Zhezhov versus Caneliano. That's like competitive. Scandici versus Jajabasha. That's awesome. Like. That, that that only happens later, and we have to waste so much time spending money to produce bad volleyball until we get those games. Like, I just don't like the format. Now, Berkai is right. The, the the On the men's side, the Champions League pools are setting up to be at least more competitive. And you do have to keep the format the same for the men and the women. But there there is work to be done to improve this format. And on the subject, by the way, of men's Champions League, Everett, we are excited to announce that we have a full men's Champions League dedicated preview show coming this Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, with a very special guest. And if you're familiar with the channel, you might be able to guess who that special guest is. But you're going to want to tune in as uh, this Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to break down all the pools of men's Champions League because I agree with you. I agree with Bear Kai. That will be a more competitive tournament in pool play than the women's. It just is. Way more. The women's will be super excited once we get to the end. Right. 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 Like, like once you start getting into the playoffs, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, all that. So stoked to watch all of that. Yeah. Like uh, so excited to watch all of that. But until then, just doesn't. Nope. So I have nothing else about women's Champions League. Definitely tune into our men's Champions League preview in two days, two thirty p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, you want to talk about the Plus Liga? Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about the Plus Liga. Let's talk about the Plus Liga. Is, is that even? There's even a game going on right now in the Plus Liga. Of course, there uh, is. Zaxa beat Katowice 28-26 in the first. Uh, we've uh, we've got a lot to talk about about this Zaxa team. We've got we've got a lot to talk about about Zaxa. They they are in a very interesting uh, period in their team right now. But first, uh, I want to talk about the two matches that we really hyped up on last week's show. The first one was Yashemsky versus Rosovia last Wednesday. And then there was Rosovia three-donging Zaxa's C-team um, over the weekend, which wasn't as competitive as I wanted it to be. But uh, good for Yashemsky. Our, my, our question mark about them after the Polish Super Cup, that, that choke up 2-0, was their second outside hitter. And Rafael Shimura keeps Marco Sedlicek on the bench where he belongs. Rafael Shimura, 23 points, 16 for 29 attacking, 41% efficiency, three blocks, and four aces. If you can play like that, uh, Yashemsky Vangiel is going to be just fine. That was a big performance. Big performance. Big, big performance. I I, I really did like it uh, as well. And more and more, I think you just you should run run with uh, Sedler. Sorry, uh, Shimura over Sedlacek. Isn't that what they had last year? Didn't they have Shimura starting last year? No, they, I mean 
a no, couple times when Clevin when Cleveno couldn't yeah, play, but like no, Shimura is the best third outside hitter you could ask for on any team because he comes in, he doesn't make errors, he uh, passes the ball well, but every so often he'll pop off on on offense. And regardless, I think he gives you more, both a higher ceiling and higher floor than Marco Sebocek. So uh, we'll see if Yashemsky sticks with him, and maybe I mean maybe they try and go out and get someone and uh, in, in the the like midseason transfer window, but. If if Shimura starts, you've also got an additional foreigner spot that you can play with, which uh, yeah. might, might be good for him. But this is a little bit disappointing for me for Rosovia, especially Stefan Boyer against his former team. Uh, 20 points, 17 for 35, nine errors, got blocked six times. Not uh, Definitely not what I was looking for. 24% efficiency as a team for Rosovia. Who do you put that blame on, Everett? Oh, DeFalco for sure. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> obviously, Drew's guy. You're like that's if you know the show at all. You know who our scapegoat is. We have a few scapegoats <laughs> on the show, and Drew'sga is the top of the list. Um, yeah, I mean, like it, this to me is Rosovia in a nutshell. Just some like I would love. Like I can't wait until TJ's maybe done playing at Rosovia. Maybe we can chat with him and like figure out how the dynamic of that. I would team really is. like because to hear that. Watching these games, there is very much like you could tell who wants to win and who just likes to, who's just happy to be there. Who just likes to play volleyball, you know? And DeFalco is definitely not in that just happy to be there, happy to play volleyball type of uh type of area no um, tj is very competitive yes and he had a great game i mean 11 for 20 uh three aces two blocks uh, i i personally think he's the best left side blocker in the world i, I don't know if that's a crazy hot take but i i definitely believe that uh yasin luati started it outside and was horrible uh three for ten with five errors so clement chable came in and was fine but it wasn't enough to rescue it so uh I was I, I was wrong. Everett last week I picked Rosovia to go two and zero in these big matches that they had, and they uh, were not able to come up in this one. But then over the weekend we had a bunch of games. Rosovia beat Zaxa three zero. Zaxa actually was more competitive than they should have been given the lineup that they played. This Zaxa team, this might be the most injured team in all of volleyball right now. Like it's it's rough. It's yeah. rough. I would tend to agree. I would tend to agree. It's it's rough for them and it's rough watching them. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing. Like it's it's not fun to watch. But it's Zaxa and they're to me like there's there's no team that's higher. Like there's no team in, in professional volleyball that sit, that sits higher right now. Like they're, they're the three time defending champions league champions, right? If if there's one team that can just, you know what, we're just gonna we're gonna wait a little bit, we're gonna rest our players. A lot of our guys got a lot of minutes this summer, and we're gonna we're really gonna push towards the second half of the season. I don't think Zox is scared of any team in the Plus Liga. No. I don't think they want they're trying to avoid any team in the Plus Liga. So for them losing some teams or some matches early on the season doesn't really matter much. But listen to this lineup that they played. Oh, Lukasz Kaczmarek and Alexander Schliefka at outside hitter. So they moved Kaczmarek to the left side. But then they were doing all sorts of crazy scrambling about like where people were playing defense because they put Andreas Takvam, who's a middle, they put him on the right side. And they, they did all sorts of weird craziness. Like they, they would have Kaczmarek like sometimes defend in position one and hit D-balls and Takvam 
play in position five, and they had uh, Pashitsky and Tuan Viltenberg in the middle. No David Smith. They had they had to sign an emergency setter this week, this Radoslav Gil guy, because Janusz and Stempian are both hurt. They had to sign like a, a random setter like off the street to set in a plus league game for him. Like Zaxa is in shambles right now, and I. I so it, it's different from last year, where last year their big weakness was outside hitter because they they picked yeah. up Bartosz Bednors halfway through the year. They are going to struggle if they don't get healthy and if they don't do it soon because they're, they're they they can't like phone it in against even like mid tier plus Liga teams like they're playing right now. They're playing Katowice. Um, yeah. They have a little bit more of their normal starting lineup this time. It's uh, so it's Bednors and Schliefka. It's Kachmarek at opposite. It's uh, Takvam and Smith in the middle. and But it's this Radoslav Gil guy setting. It's their third setter. And they barely beat a pretty uninspiring Katowice team in that first set. So like, keep an eye on Zox's health and where they're at in the standings. Because I, I, I agree, they're not, they shouldn't be worried. But there's only so far that they can afford to slip down while they try and get guys healthy. Yeah, but there's so many matches this year. There's so many more matches this year. And we also saw it for them last year where they were like a middle of the pack team throughout the first half of the year. And then they pushed it, pushed it up to the end. So I'm not, I'm really not worried uh, about Zaxa. Like this is just, they're just putting the best product that they have out there. And there's so many answers to, to you know what, like rest your guys in the first half. I'll rest them until 2025 or 2024. I don't care. Not, obviously <laughs> not 2025. Don't just but, throw this season in the, in the, but yeah, just rest them until 2024 and then you'll, you'll be good in the, in, in the new year because like, like the Polish schedule might be the worst of anyone once you it's bad travel and once once and you include Champions League play and Champions League and, and, and all of that so yeah it's it's pretty rough uh, the the other match I wanted to talk about in the Plus Liga was Xavierce now Xavierce three donging Charney Rodham is not a surprise because Rodham is terrible and I got a message earlier today that uh, Charney Rodham has now lost twenty five consecutive home games. Which is really bad. How did they not get relegated last year? If they're missing, uh, it was it, it was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle that that uh, Bielska Biawa was worse than them. Uh, our, our boy Nikola Melianots was pretty good in this game, forty one percent efficiency. But the reason why I bring this match up is because it is the first time that we see Xavierce's full starting lineup. Finally, we see Kvolek and Kleveno. We see Biniak in the middle. We see Butrin on the right side. Uh, Tavares, obviously, at setter. And uh, Luke Perry at libero. And they hit 50% efficiency as a team. Uh, Kvolek was unbelievable. Uh, Butrin was great. Biniak was great. Uh, Kleveno was great. Like they, they, they absolutely lit it up with, finally, their starting lineup. So there is a reason why I picked Xavierce to win the Plus Liga. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean this one. I mean, hey, they played really good against one of the worst teams. Yeah, in the terrible, league. I terrible look, team. I look yeah. at this and I see Brody Hofer's stat line, and that that kind of hurts me a little bit. Five for seventeen, um, really not good with three errors, and and he got blocked. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how he progresses. But at the same time, like this Avierci team is very very good. Do I think they're going to win? No, I think they're very very good though. I do. I think I, they're, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be up there. Like they're. There's there's a clear top four in and maybe even a top five if you want to put Vershava in there as well in, in the Plus Liga, and I like that. Yeah, uh Vershava is good. They three donged Cooper Lubin, no problem. Uh no surprise there. So yeah, that, that's it. That's it for the Plus Liga for now. Let's see what do we got coming up this week. Oh, we get to see Yashemsky versus Rodham. Ouch. That's gonna be a that's gonna be an hour and a shower. 
Uh, Stalnissa versus Rosovia is an okay game. Xavier Che versus Barkham Lviv is an okay game. Uh, Skra versus Gdansk is an okay game. So Ooh, Rodham doesn't get anything easier there with JW no, either. Poor, poor Rodham. I, I would like to see Brody Hofer play a little bit better. Olshin this weekend against Rosovia. That should be maybe yeah, all right. I like that. I like that. Man, Rodham. From like they get Zavierci, J, uh, JW, and Zaxa all in a row. Woof. <laughs> That's a gauntlet. Do they have a win yet? Let's I don't see. think so. Uh, no, they are 0 and 5. So is Katowice, the only two 0 and 5 teams. Couch. Relegation race. All right. Uh, anything else about Poland? Nope. Let's let's move on. Let's get, let's continue on to Poland and 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 start talking about uh, a few of the other things. Um, let's jump over the Turkey first. Um, big big one. Or getting a couple of wins this week. First yeah. one against Arcus. Arcus is really struggling. Like this is a team that I don't know what is what is going on with them. Well, like Arcus, they lost- unfortunately, they 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 lost one of their most impl- important players in Mirza Lagumja, and that that's kind of why I wanted to bring this particular matchup and Hulkbank beating Arcus head to head, because this was uh this was the first match for Arcus after Mirza Lagumja left, but he did not play for Hulkbank in this game. Uh, Hulkbank still able to win three one, pretty much no problem. Um, but then Hulkbank's next game against some team called Develi, who I don't I know nothing about. Uh, they won three to one, and that was Mirza Lagumja's Hawkbank debut. Seventeen points, thirteen for twenty-one attacking, two blocks, and two aces. So, and actually, it was him and Gord Perrin at outside that game. They gave Irvin Ingepet the game off, so he looked good in that one. And that I think instantly makes Hawkbank the the number one contender to win the FLA League and to be a a real player in both Champions League and the Club World Championship. Now they'll be able to play uh, Perrin and Ingepet in those tournaments. But uh, that's why I, br- I brought these games up is because uh, Lugumja did not play against his former team in the match on screen there. But, 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 but did he did get in uh, when they played against the right. on Sunday, and he he had he had a bit of a match. Yeah, he, was he, had, he had a bit. He was he was pretty good. Um, Hallbank is really going for it this year, and I like that. I like it too. I, 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 I like this. I like that they're sick of losing to Zirat Bank. Because they, well, yeah. as, as they should be, because they lost to him in the playoffs. They've already lost to him twice this season. They they should be sick of losing to Zero. So. This might be. I've seen a few clips of them. This might be the most fun team in volleyball. Who Hawkbank right. or, or Zero? Hawkbank. Hawkbank's Hawkbank. fun. When you, when you look at their like, like I've just seen them of stuff for them at practice. When you think about like Maa and Irvin and Namir and Gore Perrin, like you know that this team is just a bunch of boys. Like this, yeah. For sure, like this yeah. is a, this is one of the funnest teams in volleyball, without a doubt. That seems fun, and again, they're playing the Club World Championship and Champions League, and uh, Zirat Bank as well. They're playing Champions League. They're in Zox's group. They're gonna they're gonna be a threat there, and we'll we'll talk about Champions League with our special guest on Thursday. Um, I didn't see that much in the the Sultanar League that I was that interested in. I mean, no. I didn't beat Alatasre in five. Like Thy beat Nilafer in four. Like. Uh, Zajabasha three dunk Besiktash. Like I, I personally didn't see any storylines out of the women's league this week. Anyway, no, no. Berkai, let us know if we're we're, we're wrong there. Well, Berkai always thinks that we're wrong. Berkai always thinks that that every single point of of every Turkish league needs to be analyzed <laughs> in in great depth, and that's just not what we're going to do. It's not how we're going to spend our time. 
Um, as he's like, as he's bombarding the chat right now with <laughs> with with info about Mirza Lagumja and and Hulk Bank. Okay, so that makes why that makes sense why Lagumja didn't play against Arcus because it was a postponed match. But uh, yeah, I mean that that like we talked about it last week when it happened. Like that instantly made Hulk Bank probably the best team on paper in the FLA league. Um, I'm looking at the Sultanar league schedule for this weekend, and I'm not seeing much. Fenerbahce no, versus Nilafur is okay. Zadjabasha versus Galatasaray is okay. I do think the one team that we need to maybe watch a little bit more uh, in the Sultanar league is Murat Pasa. Yeah. That's like the, the one team. Like they took a set off of Fenerbahce this week. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think like Markova is. is yeah, I, I got to watch this Markova girl. People are talking yeah. about her being like a, a, a big scoring threat at outside hitter. And I, I, I got to see it. I got to look at that. Uh, okay, I, I I wanted to spend because there it was a, a tiny bit lighter of a week. We still got a pretty long show, but I wanted to at least point out a couple of the other European leagues that we don't always yeah. talk about. But I think well, that is, we, we should at yeah. least we should at least like put them on people's radars. And the first is the Bundesliga, because mm-hmm. uh, the Bundesliga is good, and the Bundesliga has two teams playing Champions League, and there's a bunch of North Americans playing there. Same as France, who we'll talk about in a second. But I think it's worth at least like pointing out the Bundesliga. Um, Berlin is obviously the best team in the league. That's no surprise. Close. But I was interested that the, the Bundesliga expanded this year. There's 12 teams now. There's a bunch of new teams. Like a bunch of new yeah. teams that moved up that I do not recognize. It's good. It's interesting, especially like they've been talking in the Discord about how like there's some like like the level of professionalism on some of these teams is varying. Oh, yeah, is 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 very much varying. So it's going to be interesting to see how this this turns out. I do like the fact that they have 12, but let's not like this is still a four team league at best. Um, Maybe five if Giesen if Giesen can figure it out. The way I look at there's Berlin, obviously, Dern is obviously always there. Lundberg, Friedrichshafen and Giesen. Though those are those those to me are, are are the five teams that are that are really going Hershing maybe on the outside. Nethopper's down there at 0 and four is crazy to me. Nethopper's so I I was looking at some of these rosters yesterday and prepping for this show because there's there's like five teams that I that I have never heard of before. Like they they are really going with the quantity over quality approach in terms of the participating teams this year. And I get that you're going to play more games. Hopefully that means more money for the league. But like some of these teams are just not good. Like just just like like zero foreigners, zero national team talent on the German national team. Like there's some some pretty rough rosters and Netshoppers, who's like traditionally a good team. They look terrible on paper. They're zero and twelve in sets so far to start the year. That's rough. Yikes! Might have to get some of our German people in the Discord to kind of explain to us what what's been what's been going on there. But uh, we did have our first big matchup uh, of the year uh, this year with uh, Lundberg. Well, like Lundberg and Friedrichshafen, it was a bad week for Friedrichshafen. They went they went zero and two this week. Um, that win for Lundberg is absolutely massive, though. Nineteen seventeen in the fifth at home, like a, a one of the great, like low key, one of the best home crowds in volleyball. Like we saw them. Remember last year when they played Modena and CEB Cup, like how how insane that atmosphere was. And uh, now they're gonna they're gonna play three home games in Champions League coming up in the next few weeks. Uh yeah, was it like thirty three thirty one in the third, nineteen seventeen in the fifth? Like this match was sick. I, I saw some clips. Unfortunately, like uh like Langdon is saying in the chat, the broadcast for the German league is awesome. As we talked about last year, like the the spontent crew on Twitch is is probably the best in all of volleyball. The problem is 
a lot of it is paywalled this year. They only do like yeah. one. They only do one free match a week, and the the rest of them you have to you have to subscribe, pay a subscription to watch, which is, I mean, disappointing. Selfishly, I understand you got to make some money in volleyball. Understand that more than anyone, but uh, it's it's a little more difficult to watch this year. But when it when you do have those free broadcasts, you've got to watch them. They're yeah. they're they're phenomenally well produced. Hundred percent. It was. I was. I was very happy for this win for Lundberg because they just bounced back from a terrible three dong against Hershing. Yeah, and that, that, was bad. that that should not happen. But man, like, like Friedrichshafen has traditionally been one of the best teams in Germany. They are a, a, a state. Like they're a, a, a staple in the Champions League. Now this year, this is a bad week for them, suffering two losses. First, this five setter, then a three dong to Berlin on on Friday night. This is a team that is not playing in Champions League this year, right? Because they, they they built a new arena and, and that, it doesn't meet the standards, right? They were going to have to pay a ridiculous amount of money to find a home to play Champions League games, and they they weren't willing to do that. So it will be interesting to not have Friedrichshafen in Champions League. I can't remember the last time that was ever the case. Yeah, so it's I'm really I really hope that they can figure this out and that we don't see the 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 death because I feel like the German league we've seen the death some really really good programs over the past like decade or so and as good as the german league is i do feel like it's sometimes just holding on by a thread as, as far as relevance in europe definitely uh like the, berlin is the only team that's ever remotely competitive in champions league like friedrichshafen made the playoffs last year under the new format and got got stomped in the first round um and we'll we'll talk about the berlin and lundberg are the two german teams playing champions league this year we'll talk about them in our preview on thursday but it's nice for for us Everett, north americans because the 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 bundesliga and then the french league which we'll talk about in a second are very popular places for north americans to go because they have either none or very very loose foreigner limits so like lundberg for example they have four americans and three canadians and basically all of them start so like, you get to see just a ton of familiar faces if you're from our part of the world that go to these leagues and play. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, Lundberg has always been known as little little North America, right? Mm-hmm. You're, like, it's, it's been a, a, a go-to location for a lot of Canadians and, and American over this year. Um, is no, no exception. We got Blake Leeson, Matt Nagy, Matt Slavinsky, Gage Worsley's still there. And then on the Canadian side, Max Elgert, Xander Kretschewski, and Jesse Elser. And like all those guys are playing. Like all those guys are playing a lot. So uh, that's awesome. Also, um, big shout out to uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, What's his face? Jackson Young, as you have here in the the stats. Nipsting boy coming in for 10 points uh, off the bench. For Friedrichshafen, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, no no Champions League for Friedrichshafen. We'll talk about Lundberg and Berlin a little bit more on Thursday. Uh, let's also point out the LNV, the French League, or as it has been, or as the men's top league has been rebranded, the Marmara, Marmara. Spike League. <laughs> the Marmara Spike League is the new identity of the number one division in France. Um, the French League is also really good. It uh, it also has a lot of North Americans. Uh, um, um, like United States players, especially there's a ton of them this year. And uh, Everett, the, the one thing that I'm always fascinated by in the LNV is the curse of the defending champion. How, what? Yep. How do you explain the, the team that wins the French league the following year stinks. 
every time like tours won the league last year they are one in four to start the season i don't understand how this always happens in this league i really don't understand either <laughs> i i really i really don't and especially with tools because tools is like one of like every year it seems like the french league kind of like shifts around there's different teams at the top you know we've seen like cons won the league and now they're not even in it anymore but tools is always kind of up there so for them to start the year at one in four is like like this is a champions league team like this right. is a this is a team that that competes year in year in and year out and is known as like one of the best clubs in france um and when you look at their roster too like it's a it's a it's a decent roster so I I really like you've got a whole bunch of national team guys from from different from from different places, but yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not understanding what's really going on with with tools at the at the moment. However, it's a curse. You, on the other side of things, you do have Tolkoing sitting at five and zero. Uh, my man Riley Barnes, the Barn Cat, leading leading the way for them. However, there is a question of the the quality of their schedule. When you look at who they've been playing, it's mostly teams who are below them. I think the highest team that they've played so far and they've beat was Pessis Robinson in seventh. This week they play Paris, um, who are in sixth, so that's that's going to be a, a little bit better. But Tolkoing is, it It was very similar to the way they started last year. And I mean, last year they had Jay Bixen, Burkle, and Barncat, Barncat this state. And I'm pretty sure he's the captain and he's been absolutely balling this year. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to pull up like uh, all the rosters of the French League in one place. Um, I'm, I'm working on that. But yeah, there, there's a bunch of Canadians, a bunch of Americans. Uh, Danny Demyanenko is on Montpellier, right? He's yeah. On... And he's, he's been there for a number of years yeah. now. Like he's, he is, he is a guy. Um, uh, is it Poitiers? Yeah, I think Poitiers has Brett Walsh and, um, and uh, Matthias Elser. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, San Nazaire has Quinn Isaacson, Kyle Ensing, Jordan Ewart. And also, um, Paris um, has Colton Cowell. There's one other. There's one other guy for for Saint Nazaire, the Canadian guy. Why am I with the middle blocker? Schnitzer. Schnitzer's playing for. Oh, he's Saint there. Sweet. Yeah, Schnitzer, Schnitzer is at, uh, at at Saint Nazaire as well. But uh, if you if you are American and if you notice my out of system shirt, there's one other team that we have to talk about as far as French teams go, and that's Chaumont, who just three dong toured in a big regular season game. That was revenge for a loss in the Super Cup final. Um, three American middles, Mike Marshman, Dan McDonald, Pat Gassman, and then Joe Worsley's setting. And uh, this, this Chamon team is good. I'm disappointed that France only has one team in Champions League. It's only Tours, and I'm, I'm disappointed by that. I wish they had at least one more. I think they could put easily at least one more competitive team in Champions League. But uh, Chamon is good. They're 4-1. and one. They're uh, tied with Montpellier in, in the win-loss column. And uh, honestly, top to bottom, the French league, the the Marmara Spike League, as it is now known, this might be the most competitive league, top to bottom, in all of Europe. Like straight the up, Marmara Spike League. It's just that's just silly. That's just <laughs> whatever. If if whatever Marmara is, if if we have any uh, if we have any French people that that know like what brand, like what company is Marmara, if they're willing to put money into volleyball, great, great. <laughs> I don't care how how weird the name is. Yeah, but like, I have no idea. seriously, I have no idea what Marmara. The the French league might be the most competitive league, top to bottom. Like one yeah, through, they've got fourteen teams in the league. Like here's the standings again. One through like nine or ten are are going to be good teams, and it's still early. So it looks like Marmara is a um, 
like club resort type of place. Like I think it's like kind of like a a, a club med type of uh, type of resort place. Vacances en club Mamara. That's huh. what I'm seeing when I'm when I'm googling things here. So yeah, it's like basically club med France. <laughs> okay, well I guess they like volleyball. Yeah. Very well, interesting. Right. The Marmara Spike League. All right, great. <laughs> so uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for everything in our notes that we wanted to cover. Uh, anything else, Mr. Delorme, or can we get the people out of here? No, let's get the people out of here. Everything I wanted to add to the notes, you had already added. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think that's about it. We've got a big day of uh, Super Lega going on tomorrow, so make sure to check that out. Of course, there's Champions League going on, so don't miss that. Um, next Thursday, as you said, no, not next Thursday. So Thursday this in two Thursday. days, we're going to be uh, previewing Champions League with a special guest. And uh, I've also got some episodes of the Volleyball Source podcasts that are being scheduled and coming Ooh. up. There's been there's been a certain person that has been people have been asking for, um, on on based off of some interactions off of social media, and we're we're, we're planning some things. And so yeah, let's uh, lots of content coming at you guys in the next little bit. Good. Uh, we've got a fun video coming out tomorrow. As oh, well. yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we do have that. Yeah, coming out we, we 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 filmed that. We filmed the video in when we were in West Virginia for Norseka that we we've been sitting on, and we're going to release it tomorrow. It's Everett and I drafting our twelve player volleyball teams using athletes from other sports. It's a very fun one. Uh, I'm, I'm can't, can't wait to get people's reactions to some of the picks that we made. I actually kind of forgot about it, so I'm excited for that one to go public. Uh, yeah, so tune in for that tomorrow. Tune in uh, Thursday for our Champions League preview. And then uh, join the Volleyball Source Discord. Last thing we have to plug. The best online chat community for volleyball in the world. The link is in the description of the video. You definitely want to get in there and uh, get in all the, all, all the conversations we have about all the different leagues in the world. Yeah, absolutely. How, like we got almost two thousand people in the Discord server now. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, we should have a similar number of people giving a thumbs up to this video. So uh, before we're done, uh, give give a give a like to this video. We'll see you guys on uh, Thursday Champions League preview next Tuesday nine by nine. Thanks for watching. Peace.